Uh, well, good evening, everyone. If you want to go ahead and uh, get ready, we're going to be looking through Philippians chapter 4. Um, we're going to be finishing off this idea that we've been going through and uh, different messages of uh, the book of Philippians. <clears throat> and we'll see what the final chapter has for us. We're going to be looking at these first topics in the beginning, this idea of um, being united, uh, being joyful, and being in prayer together. Uh, we're going to be looking at what we need to do to guard our minds. Uh, the mind is the biggest battlefield for the believer going on right now. Uh, things that come in end up coming out. How do we protect things from coming in? We're going to be looking at generosity and giving, how to be content, and then we're going to close up and go home and put these things into action Monday morning um, to live them out, uh, Lord willing. <clears throat> so if we can uh, go just a big, bit of a brief thing uh, going over the book of Philippians, things that have come up. It was an epistle written to the church at Philippi as a thank you um, for the fellowship that they had with Paul while he was in uh, prison. Um, certain things came up as Paul was writing this letter back. Um, as he gave it to Epaphroditus, and Epaphroditus was the one delivering it back to those at Philippi. Um, but this is really a letter that talks about a unity through humility, uh, the mind of Christ, um, how to be humble, and really this idea of being on guard, being aware of uh, false teaching that may creep in and bring division. Um, so we have a striving together for the sake of the gospel. We have unity through humility. We have an example in Christ. Um, warning against things that bring division. We have an exhortation to press towards the goal of the high calling in Christ Jesus, a reminder that our citizenship is in heaven. Um, now we're going to be looking at this idea of we need to fix what's wrong. Um, I feel it's very appropriate for the chapel today. It's a very appropriate message. There are things that are wrong that need to be fixed. And until they're fixed, we cannot expect to go forward with the Lord and with blessing. Um, so we're going to be looking at that tonight. So we're going to begin our reading um, in Philippians 4, beginning at verse 1. This was a verse that uh, finished off really the last, the last section we had last, last time, but we're going to look at it as an introduction to this next section. It says, Therefore, my beloved and longed for brethren, my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, beloved. I implore Iodia, and I implore Suntuke to be of the same mind in the Lord. And I urge you also, true companion, help these women who labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also and the rest of my fellow workers, whose names are in the book of life. So we have this problem that's come out between two sisters in the assembly. Um, it doesn't say what the problem is. It just says that um, he implores them to be of the same mind. Um, so there's been some disagreement, there's been some tension, and we know that just two individuals that are not getting along in the local body has an effect on the entire local body. And so this isn't just an exhortation to these two individuals, this is an exhortation to the entire body. Help them fix what's wrong. Help them be of the same mind. Um, we have this idea of being of the same mind, and just real quick, I'm just going to read it to you guys. In um, the Lord Jesus' prayer, in John chapter 17, we have this idea. It says in verse 20, I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, 
that they may all be one, as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me, and the glory which you gave me I have given them, that they may be one, just as we are one, I in them, and you in me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that you have sent me, and have loved them as you have loved me. We see this idea from the Lord, we're to be as one, not to just be unified for unity's sake. It's a testimony to the world if we are one in Christ. Um, How do we become one? How do we be of the same mind? How do we fix the issues that are wrong? The only way we can fix the issues that are wrong is by turning to the scriptures. This is the only way we can be of the same mind. And if we're not willing to be obedient to the scriptures, then there's always going to be problems. So the first thing that we would say to help them be of one mind is first to find out what they're differing on. We find out what they're differing on, and then we encourage them through the teaching of Scripture to agree on the same thing. We see, again, that it's not just these two women that need to be a part of this, but he exhorts Clement and he exhorts all those that are with him. And it's interesting that it says whose names are in the book of life, Um, Paul speaks of these people as he knows of their sure salvation. Um, We always say, you know, I can't know of somebody else. We hear Paul say these people's names are written in the book of life. We see Peter who says, I am sure of the the salvation that they have, the elect. Um, So there is instances we see John say, you'll know them by their fruit. Um, So I think sometimes we say, well, we really won't know them as kind of a, a safe way of going about it. We should know. Your, your works should profess that you have faith in Christ. Um, so we're going to look at this idea. It's interesting in verse 4, what we get into. The struggles that we have as individuals, what's the one thing we can agree on? It says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. I think that's really this idea of the one thing we can all come together and do is rejoice. We rejoice in the Lord. Uh, As we do every Lord's Day morning, we come together with the bread and the wine present, and we remember him. And it is a time of unity because it is a time solely focused upon him, um, the reason that we can come together with such peace. Um, So we have this exhortation, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand, and he's reminding us, really, uh, the presence of the Lord and that he can come at any moment. And I, I think through past business meetings, I think through past camp corporation meetings, through discussions that we've had, through different things that have gone on, through strife between brothers, strife between sisters. And when I read this verse, I think, what if the Lord had come at that? What if he had come at that exact moment when you have your fist clenched and your teeth grit and you're just so angry at a person that Christ shed his blood for? The Lord is at hand. It's always a reminder. Um, we don't want to be found in that state. Um, it's, it's funny because when I was a kid, my brother and I used to horse around. We're boys. And uh, we got along real well, so we caused double the havoc in the house. Whenever we would do something where we were competing against each other, then it was always competitive. It was always this and that. The minute one of us broke something, 
then it was like a scramble before mom and dad found out what was broken and it was go time and everything was working together and we accomplished more things working together at those times. I can remember um, having a pillow fight and knocking over a nice vase and chipping off a, an edge of it and I mean we found the glue, we got some grips and we, we glued it together, we had it all set and mom didn't recognize it for like six months and then one day she was cleaning coming through and she knocked it off and it broke and we said mom you broke it oh man I can't believe it and so we we, we, had, we confessed and we told her that we had broken it before but the idea is there's so much that we need to recognize where we can work together um, and one of those things is the preaching of the gospel um, the one thing that we're really lacking in our day-to-day -day life and our own testimony is our faithfulness in preaching the gospel um, one of the things that he mentions here is that they labored with me in the gospel. These were people that worked with Paul that went out and spread the word in Philippi and were dear um, sisters. And so he's wanting them to come together. Why? For the sake of the gospel. They can go out and continue to preach because if they have this division where all of a sudden these women have been vital in the ministry and then they break apart, what testimony does that speak to the rest of the city? One of division. And we don't, we don't want to be a part of that. We want to be a part of reconciliation, of forgiveness, of for love. So this gentleness, uh, be known to all men. Now in verse 6, it's a very, verse 6 is, is a hard one. It says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Um, it's been said up here before, worrying is a sin. Worrying is a lack of trust in God. Um, there are times where things creep up on us, and we are maybe nervous at the time. But we need to bring it before the Lord in prayer, supplication, and thanksgiving. And then we need to let it go. We need to trust that he's going to take care of it. Um, nothing worse than seeing a... A Christian, when everything's failing and they act just like they're a part of the world, like everything they have is crumbling, and they forget about everything that they've been given, everything that's stored in heaven. And it's this idea of, you know, we, we shouldn't be characterized as worrisome people, as anxious people. Um, we are people with hope and peace and love and gentleness. These are all things that should characterize us, not anxiety not being anxious. Um, so if you have a problem with that, you need to call it what it is. It is sin, and you need to deal with that as the Lord wills that you would overcome these things. It's a very difficult thing to do, and we all have different varieties of it, but it's something that needs to be taken care of. So we have this idea of don't worry, <clears throat> and we also have this exhortation to how we occupy our minds. It says, guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. One of the mistakes that I think I've made, and probably most of you sitting there, is when something that's ugly comes into your mind, uh, you have a tendency to say, don't think about that. Don't think about that. Don't think about that. It's like if I were to tell you, don't think about elephants. Don't think about elephants. Don't think about elephants. Just stop thinking about the elephants. 
all you're doing is flooding that into your mind, this repetitiveness, you're turning it into a negative. Instead of filling your mind with this, you need to say, what can I fill my mind with instead? So instead of focusing, oh, don't think about this, don't think about this, say, think about this, think about this. And that's what Paul's going to get into. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things, the things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me. These do, and the God of peace will be with you. So instead of trying to combat with this idea of don't think about this, you need to be filling your mind with things you should be thinking about. Um, the only way we can do that is by taking in the word, being in prayer, being with our brothers and sisters. And when we're, when we're with our brothers and sisters, to talk about things that are spiritually minded. Um, one of the biggest detriments, really, is the, all the information that's out there that's a waste of time. Um, there's so many things out there that, you know, you, you start doing it and three hours later you're like, wow, how have I been doing this mindless thing for three hours? Um, you catch yourself doing it all the time. I do, and I know you all do. <laughs> and the idea is instead of doing that, setting things up in your life where you can think on these things, things that are true, um, things that are noble, things that are just. The interesting thing is, is you've heard before, is you've, if you characterize all of these things, the only one that foots the bill for all of these things is the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, so as you flood your mind with the Lord Jesus Christ, you're going to have this relief. You're going to have this idea as if you meditate on this, the peace will overcome you. So this idea, you won't be anxious. You, you, you won't have that worry. Um, you won't be thinking things that uh, you shouldn't be thinking, and you won't be speaking things that you shouldn't be speaking. One of the difficulties that men have is, is lust. And this idea of, I'm attracted to another woman, and I'm having impure thoughts about this woman. Instead of looking at that, pray for that woman. Lord Jesus, I bring this woman before you. I pray that your blood would be credited to her account, that she indeed would hear the gospel and be saved. If you start doing that, the devil's going to stop bringing people before you like that because um, it's counterproductive. It doesn't work the way he wants it to. Um, so these are all things to keep in mind. And what's interesting is we have to remember this is just really a thank you letter um, that Paul is writing. And really the importance of, of letter writing um, Kathy and I were talking about it earlier, just what it means to get a handwritten, thoughtful letter from someone, um, an encouraging letter. And if there's somebody that's been on your heart, if there's somebody that you feel just needs a, a nice touch, a phone call is nice, but a, le a letter really just, I don't know what it is about it. It, it really helps. And, you know, people that get um, sincere letters carry them around. I mean, I've had missionaries tell me that, I got this letter from so-and-so 20 years ago, and when I have doubts, I, I turn back to that letter, and I remember the faithfulness of God. And so you think of, of one letter having such a profound effect on somebody, uh, one letter that Paul wrote that has had a profound effect um, throughout uh, the centuries, really, on all those that are believers. So really, it's just a reminder, um, all the things that we can do, 
a lot of times Christianity becomes things that you can't do. Um, if you're a Christian, then you, you can't do this. If you're a Christian, then you shouldn't be doing this. And all these things, don't do, don't do, don't do. And we've, only, we've already seen that that's counterproductive. Show me things that I can do. And you can go out and you can preach the gospel. You can be a part of encouraging people. You can uh, write a letter to somebody. You can, you can have this, this idea of fellowship, meditating on the Lord, being, being willing to share what you've learned. So really this whole portion is just an idea of um, they want to be united. Uh, they want to be joyful, rejoice. Again, I say rejoice. And in prayer, uh, instead of being anxious, be prayerful. Um, really, it's, a, it's what should be done here at the assembly. Um, we should remember what we can rejoice together with. Um, we should be praying together. And we should be flooding our minds with things that are true, noble, just, pure, lovely, and of good report. With any virtue, there is anything praiseworthy. Um, when you put it that way, it sounds so simple. But what it takes is serious sacrifice. And if you're not willing to make that sacrifice, then you need to look in the mirror and you need to say it to your face. I just don't want to. I'd rather do something else. It's not worth my time. But at least be honest with yourself. So we have this idea that we go forward, that we are responsible. <clears throat> Continuing on, really this is this portion from 10 to 20 is really the whole idea of his thank you to the Philippians, how we know that this is a thank you letter. Um, really he could have just written this small portion, um, but he didn't, thankfully. He, he wrote an entire um, epistle that was uh, contained so much. So we're going to read these uh, 10 verses and we're going to make some comments on the, uh, the church at Philippi. It says, But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, in verse 10, that now at last your care for me has flourished again. Though you surely did care, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased, and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I have learned, both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Nevertheless, you have done well that you shared in my distress. Now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving, but you only. For even in Thessalonica, you sent aid once and again for my necessities. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. Indeed, I have all in abound. I am full, having received from Epaphroditus the things sent from you a sweet-smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Now to our God and Father be glory forever. Amen. Um, we're going to look at this idea of giving, uh, being generous, um, the, uh, the small opportunities we have in different periods to let our generosity really shine. Um, why was it so strange that the Philippians were so generous. He says that nobody in Macedonia, nobody at all shared with me in the gospel except for you. Um, if you want to go ahead and turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Oh. <clears throat> 
2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1. We're going to read the first uh, seven verses. It says, Moreover, brethren, we make known to you the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, that in a great trial of affliction the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded in the riches of their liberality. For I bear witness that according to their ability, yes, and beyond their ability, they were freely willing, imploring us with much urgency that we would receive the gift and the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. And not only as we had hoped, but they first gave themselves to the Lord, and then to us by the will of God. So we urged Titus that as he had begun, so he would also complete this grace in you as well. But as you abound in everything, in faith and speech and knowledge and all diligence, and in your love for us, see that you abound in this grace also. It's amazing in the scripture how often when we need an example for giving, for generosity, um, God uses the poor people to give that example. Um, we're drawn to the widow with her two mites. Um, you have the Lord in the temple um, sitting there, and you have all these people putting into these big you know, pots or jars um, their gift to, the, to God. And there's very wealthy people, and they give much of what they have. And when you think about that, that's really contrary to what goes on today. You have a lot of wealthy people, and you have them giving much, um, you know, to think of what that amounted to then. And then you have a widow that walks by and gives the only two mites that she has. And Jesus said, this woman gave more than all the others. And you say, well, how can that be? No, she didn't. She only gave two mites. The difference that the Lord makes is she gave all that she had while the rich people just gave of their abundance. Um, she gave everything she had, completely trusting in God to supply her need. Um, and she's an example to us. And, you know, we, I doubt she heard what the Lord said, um, but she's been an example for the last 2,000 years on giving. Um, we think of uh, the, the woman that uh, Elijah met, the widow there, and um, he said, you know, what are you doing out here? And she said, well, I'm going to make a, our cake. With a little, I have a little bit of meal and some oil, and we're going to make our last cake, and then we're going to starve to death. And Elijah says, well, make me one first. And, you know, so she went home, and she did that. And she was treating him as a man from God, um, that she would make it for God, you know, as God asked her to. And we see that because of that, she was blessed. God supplied everything she needed and we have to make a careful distinction that when we say God will supply all our needs, uh, we, we emphasize that word needs. Um, he'll supply everything that we need. He doesn't supply everything that we just want. This isn't a, a I want it so I get it um, way of life. This is um, supplying what you need, and really the lesson is being content with what you have. Um, one of the biggest struggles I see in uh, my line of work is people just want more. Um, I, I walk on many job sites in, in million-dollar homes, um, big buildings, just big business, and they'll tell me, okay, I want this done, this done, this done, this done. I say, well, what's your budget? They say, oh, we don't have one. Just I want these things done. I say, okay. I go back. I work up a bid on everything that they want done. I bring it back to them, and it's always about $10,000 more than what they wanted to spend because they just want a little bit more. They can't afford it, but they just want a little bit more. And that's really our nature. 
Um, people go and look for houses, and they think, how much do I qualify for? Oh, you qualify for half a million dollars. Okay. But the house I really want is like 525. It's, it's, it's right there, just 525. And they're just stretching themselves. And what it is, it's a reminder that people just, they aren't content with what they have, yet they have more and abound. It's just a lesson to us. We have in this description of the churches in, uh, the church in Philippi of how they were so willing to give. They had nothing to give, but what they had, they gave it. And it was, please take it to the church in Jerusalem. Please take it to those that are really struggling. And you look at them and you think, I'm going to take it from you to people that are really struggling. You're really struggling too. Um, but it's just, it's just the attitude that they have to be a part of something, to be generous, to help someone. Um, and they didn't assume that somebody else would do it. They didn't just pass it off like, well, there's people out there that are more well-off than we are, and I'm sure they give to this cause. They didn't do that. It was, please, that we may have fellowship with these people, please take it. And by the grace of God, we see that they did. And um, they were often, they were commended for it greatly. And they're an example to us even today. Um, continuing back, going back to um, Philippians chapter 4. <clears throat> we'll go through this passage. I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at last your care for me has flourished again. Though you surely did care, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. This was something that Paul learned. Paul was, even though he was an apostle, was a man that learned things as he walked with the Lord. Um, so my, my question to you all this evening is, are you learning? Are you learning? Are you growing? And if you are, are you making yourself a blessing to others? Um, we sang two hymns that uh, were given out, Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. And make me a blessing to someone. Do we have that attitude? There is not, there's, there's, there's individuals here that have been saved for probably longer than I will even live on earth. There's people here that are saved that there's not one message that I could preach that you have not heard before. I am the least qualified to tell you through experience anything about spiritual matters. That being said, you're still responsible. Are you learning? Are you growing? Are you a blessing to others? These are all things that we need to keep in mind. We don't want to be frozen Christians. We don't want to be people that don't grow. Um, that saved 30 years and there's been no change. Um, so this is idea of Paul learned. He learned what? It says, I know how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I have learned, both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And uh, we have this verse that is often taken out of context and misquoted that People can do whatever they want through Christ, and you know Christ is just going to give them all the strength they need to accomplish whatever they set their mind to. Uh, 
Um, that's not what this verse says. Um, really, the idea of this verse is he's listed all these things that he has learned to do. And in verse 13, it could say, I can do all these things through Christ who strengthens me. Um, that is the first application that we take from the passage. We can take that and apply it to anything that I do for the Lord. He's going to give me strength to do it. And it's not of myself. It's all through him. And we take it as an application. But in the context of the passage, this is what he's really talking about. Um, so we, just, we need to be careful how we take verses and how we, we say things um, to the, the ear of the person that's actually listening. It might seem kind of strange at times. Um, <clears throat> so this idea of are you content? When we think of everything that we have, when we think of our own comfort, uh, the way we live our lives, I mean, we come into a, a nice air-conditioned building. We all have clothes on. Um, we've all eaten today, more than likely, and we probably will eat again. I know we normally go to dinner every Sunday, so I'm sure I'll be eating again this evening. All of our basic needs have been met abundantly. Um, that being said, sometimes in our own lives, we don't have this feeling of contentment. We have a desire for more things. And what it does is, um, you know, and instead of telling you about it, let's go ahead and turn to 1 Timothy chapter 6. Um, 1, 1 Timothy chapter 6. Um, this will be easier. <clears throat> uh, verse, or chapter 6, verse 6. It says, Now godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and clothing, with these we shall be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and harmful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil for which some have strayed from the faith and their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. This is a very grave warning. Uh, godliness with contentment is a great gain. Um, the opposite, you see, has the opposite effect. All of these negatives, um, all of these lust, evil, um, sorrow, greed, turning away from the faith. Um, what is your mind on? during the week? Are you guarding your mind? What's being put in? What are the desires of your heart? Are you content? Are you learning? Are you growing? Are you a blessing? Um, these are all questions that we need to ask ourselves tonight. Uh, do we want to be any of these things? Do we want to come before the Lord boldly and proudly and at the judgment seat? Going back to Philippians chapter 4, verse 14. Nevertheless, you have done well that you shared in my distress. Now, you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving but you only. For even in Thessalonica, you sent aid once and again from my necessities. Um, Paul is remembering with such kindness um, the church at Philippi had had fellowship with him, and he's commending them for it. Um, a lot of times people, cynical people, 
will take passages like this is Paul's just trying to reach for more. Um, he's just trying to, you know, get them into this mode where he can get more money out of them. Um, and, and that's one of the biggest just, I don't know what to say, well, the biggest problems with the church today. Um, when, my, when my father thinks about things, he always says, well, just follow the money. Um, follow the money and you'll find what it's all about. Somebody in there is, is pocketing it, and the person that's pocketing it is, is working it all out. And, you, you know, you go on, you see these TV people, you hear these people on the radio, you know, every 30, 45 seconds, it's this is how you can send money. This is where to send it to. We even have these things where you can just fill out your bank account, and then we just take it out of your account um, every month. And those are things that bring up red flags in people's minds. Um, yet many people obviously give to these organizations. Um, in this, Paul is, not, Paul is not writing about these things in that way. He's writing about it in, in a way of deep gratitude and deep thanksgiving um, for the believers there. Uh, the one thing that we, <clears throat> we remember is that in, in 2 Corinthians, it talks about how they gave themselves to the Lord first. Um, a lot of times there's people that have an attitude about giving that, well, if I'm giving, then I don't have to do the other stuff. Um, it's a way for those that, that have the funds to say, well, I'll give, that way I don't have to be there. Um, really, the, the, the thought that the word brings forth is you have to give yourself to the Lord first. If the Lord has you, he has your money. He has your bank account. He has everything that you have, if he has you. Um, there's an uh, illustration about um, a man invites the Lord into his house and says, you know, uh, all these rooms are open to you. Um, but he has a closet that's locked that he doesn't let the Lord in. And really the picture is the man is in control, not the Lord, because the man has the key to it and says, you can't come in. So until the man lets the Lord in that closet, he's in control. And so we have to take that into our own lives. Is there something that we don't let the Lord into? Um, some vice that we have, uh, an issue that we have with the brother or sister, um, a disagreement perhaps? Is there something where when it comes up we just we, we want to ignore it because we don't want to let the Lord in? Because if we let the Lord in, then you know it's, it's probably going to hurt at first. So it's this reminder of just the things that we have that we need to be aware of. Um, we need to let the Lord have all of us. If he has all of us, then he has everything that we're uh, tied to. He doesn't need our money. Uh, he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Um, he can do anything he wants. Um, he wants us. He wants our heart. He wants our character to be like that of his son, um, that we would shine as a light in the world. <clears throat> so it says, and in verse 17, he says, Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. Indeed, I have all and abound. I am full, having received from Epaphroditus the things sent from you, a sweet-smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. Do we have this attitude that we have all and abound? And we see that Paul takes it and receives it with a great deal of joy. Paul says, I have all and abound, and I don't need anything. But he doesn't reject their gift. He receives their gift. 
Why? Because it's counted to them as fruit. It's accounted to the church at Philippi as fruit, a sweet-smelling sacrifice. Um, and we have to remember that word sacrifice. If it doesn't cost you anything or if it doesn't affect you in any way, it's not a sacrifice. Um, you're just like the rich men giving of their abundance. Um, there's a difference between giving and, there's a, and sacrifice. And what the Lord is pleased with is, is sacrifice. Because it's when we show our complete trust in God and what he's going to do which is what Philippi has done, and that's why Paul says in verse 19, And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Now to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. That's often just looked at as a closing line of a prayer. Um, Now to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. But are you sincere when you say that? Are you sincere when you bring that prayer before the Lord? Or is it just something you've learned to tack on at the end? Um, a way of prayer that we have. And it's, it's interesting that the Pharisees are warned, not, or the disciples are warned not to pray like the Pharisees in these vain repetitions. The reason they're warned to do that is because they're vain repetitions. They're empty. It's not that they're repeating things that are of value, that, that have an effect. Um, they're repeating things that are empty and have no effect. Um, so it's a reminder uh, to them, this idea of, um, are we sincere about it? Verse 21, greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brethren who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, but especially those who are of Caesar's household. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Amen. Uh, we know that uh, Paul was in Rome at the time. Um, he was in prison there. The interesting thing is he, he, he tacks that on, you know, especially those of Caesar's household. Um, really a reminder to them that even though everything looks terrible, he's been beaten, he's been shipwrecked, he's been in prison for all this time, um, he's been brought to, to Rome. Everything looks like it's going awful for Paul. But Paul was able to reach people in Caesar's household with the gospel. And we see that it was all for a specific work that Paul was sent there. And we see that throughout the book of Acts that Paul went to places as the Lord led and he was faithful in his leading. And we see that he was led for a purpose. Um, the purpose didn't lead him to comfort. It didn't lead him to um, this great happiness. It led him to suffering and it led him to being a testimony in such a way that um, people were just shocked when Paul spoke about the Lord, when he spoke about his joy. Um, when we think about this whole idea, I couldn't tell you that I have learned to be abased. I couldn't tell you that I've learned to abound either. But I have learned to be content. Um, it's interesting that most people would probably say it's harder to abound uh, than it is to be abased. Um, we often say, well, you know, I'll try it out, though. You know, just, I'll, I'll try it out. Maybe just let me abound a little bit, and we'll see how I handle it. Um, but it's a warning. Um, the, Lord, the Lord is gracious. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, amen. Yeah. To hear all the things that he went through. To hear all the things that he suffered. A man that knew what he was talking about. Um, and the idea here is that we take this, he's giving it to us as a reassurance. Because Paul has learned it, he's able to make himself a blessing. 
Um, so we're going to close early. But maybe just think about that this week. How, how are you going to apply it? Uh, coming and hearing it and, and reading your Bible are all good things. Um, there's no doubt about it. Are you learning? Are you growing? Are you a blessing? Are you living up to what the Lord has done for you? Is there a problem between you and a brother or sister? Is there a problem that you have in your personal life and you just need help? Um, we're here as family to help each other. Um, like Yodia and Sintuki, they have this idea that they were calling upon the saints there to bring them together. I implore you, don't let this division take place. It can be devastating. Um, we want to be ones marked by love and friendship and reconciliation, uh, gentleness. So make that uh, part of your application for this week. Just to take an honest look at ourselves and uh, see where we can go from there. This is the beginning of all the, the ministry starting up with the WANA TNT Brigade um, Discovery Time. Let's not just go through the motions this year. Let's close in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we do give thee thanks for everything that you have done. Uh, we are thankful that we can have this peace, that we can have this joy, um, that we need not be anxious. Father, for you have taken care of all things. Uh, we need not worry. Let us be a light in this world. Uh, Father, make us a blessing. And Father, take our lives and let them be consecrated to thee. Lord, we just lift up this week as we go throughout it, that as we come in contact with those that are lost, that we would point them to Christ for salvation. And as we come into contact with our brothers and sisters, may we encourage them to be a light in this world. And we give thee thanks again for all things. In Jesus' name, amen.